Okay, just want to get the tech ready. Could you say hello to the person next to you, please? It'd be nice if you haven't said hello to them already. just uh, call you back please thank you very much um, let us pray dear Lord God we thank you that uh, we know you our living stone we thank you that you are our Lord and our saviour we thank you Lord for the freedom that we have in Christ and we thank you Lord that you have made a difference in our lives Lord, as we turn to your word this morning, we pray, Lord, that we would discover our purpose in you. Amen. 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 Well, it's good to see you all this morning. Uh, we're going to be starting um, a new series um, in this autumn time, and uh, it's entitled Believing in God, but Living as if He Doesn't Exist. And one of the things I wanted to try and do is to generate a conversation um, not only just in the church, but also for you and I when we meet people. Because I don't know about you, but when I talk to people about saying, I believe in God or I know God, they say, yes, I know God too. But it's my prayer that we will go deeper than just that superficial question. A number of months ago, uh, someone very kindly uh, sent me a link to the Radio 2 500-word essay. And some of you may have uh, seen this um, little girl. Actually, she, only, she got uh, a kind of silver award, but the title of her 500-word essay was A God Vacancy. A God Vacancy. And if you listen and you go onto that little YouTube clip, I would encourage you to do that to listen to what she talks about, the discussion that she has about God having a vacancy. And I'll leave it there for you, for you to do that. But as I've been listening and thinking about how do we engage with people to discuss about our knowledge of God? And I, I've got a picture at home, and it's of my four-year-old son. It's quite a stupid picture, to be quite frank with you. It's a picture of my son who is wearing my shoes at four and he's also got his cycle helmet on. Now, I know for a fact, when as soon as I took the picture, he fell over because he couldn't walk in my shoes. And I think I'd like to encourage myself and you to walk in our own shoes. The fact that he is now 29 and I had a telephone call from him uh, just the other day because my younger son, Matthew, was on a stag do. And being a good lad, he phones us up and he says, Dad, just to let you know, we are in A&E. I thought, hello, stag do, men, what's going to happen? He says, Dad, don't worry. He said, I've only done some damage to my right hand. Whew. So, 
as we had a conversation about different things and we said, are we all okay? Yeah, we're still partying and we're doing what we do. So all good. However, we all learn things by our mistake, but we learn things walking in our own shoes. And bless him, David always has done that. But the outline for today is going to be a number of different things. I want to sort of start off by saying this. When you believe in God, but do not know him, I think that there is some conversations that we can have with our friends and our neighbours and also maybe people that we don't know about God. I want to ask us the question this morning, how do I live? And do we know what God's name is? And finally, do you know God? I don't know about you, but I very nearly every day hear these letters. O-M-G. Has anybody here heard those words this week, please? Brilliant. Thank you. Does anyone actually know what they mean? Oh, my God. Well, I had a conversation a little while back with someone. I said, thank you for saying that. You've just quoted the Bible. They said, what? No way. I said, yes. I said, it's in Psalm 3 and verse 7. And it, well, it's in my Bible. It might not be in your translation. But I said, oh, my God. My God, in whom I'm trusting and who I know. So there's a thought for you. There might be a way to talk about OMG. Who knows? It's in the Bible. But Ian... What about this area of atheism? Well, there are belief systems around, and they have been around for hundreds and thousands of years. People have tried to define God, philosophers and theologians, and they have tried to, if you like, compartmentalise God. And I'm using the word quite deliberately this morning, belief systems, because there are people today who have a belief system, and belief systems are not going to weigh going to go away, and nor is faith in God. I would remind you of the words that Jesus says. There are three things that will remain. Faith, hope, and love. So our faith that we have, our framework of believing in God and Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Saviour, is never ever going to go away. That is a belief right at the heart of the message of Christianity. But Ian, what about theism? Well, theism is the belief in the existence of God. Atheism is the disbelief in the existence of God. And to define a Christian, I would say, one who professes belief and a faith in the teachings of Christ from the Bible. Now, you've got the word atheist. And you've also got the word atheist. And I'd like to introduce you to this idea that there is a deliberate gap. I am an atheist. I believe in God. I believe there was a decision I had to make. I had to fill the gap. But also, there was a space in between the atheist. And that's what I believe. I am atheist. But you say, Ian, Well, I don't know these famous people like Stephen Fry and Richard Dawkins and Marcus Brigstock who are quite clearly, clearly atheists. 
And Marcus Brigstock has written a book. He's, he's entitled it The God Collar. And he also went up and did a stand-up routine about God. And in the middle of his book and all his ramblings, he says, there's probably no God, but I wish there was, because I have some things to ask him. And we all work alongside people who have a belief in God. And I'd like to ask us the question this morning, how should we live as Christians? Well, I think we need to not be like my son David, my four-year-old, now 29, but he's walking in his own shoes. I think we need to walk in our own shoes. There's a theologian called James Packer who wrote a brilliant book, and it was entitled Knowing God. He is now 92, and he is losing his sight. But he has said... Of all the writings, he still sees Jesus. He writes in this book, Knowing God, he says, how can we turn our knowledge about God into the knowledge of God? And like Packer, you have to almost reread what he's saying. But he then goes on to say, the rule for doing this, he says, is simple, but demanding. He says it is that we take the truth of each, so I'll have to read it again, it is that we turn each truth that we learn about God into matter for meditation before God leading to prayer and to praise God. And that's James Packer in his book called Knowing God. And we looked in the summertime, we looked at Micah What are the three things, as Christians, that we should do? We should walk humbly, love mercy, and we should do what is right. And as I was thinking about knowing God, we can know God by his name. It was the psalmist who, in Psalm 9, says, those who know, and no, sorry, rephrase that, those who know your name, trust in you for you lord have never forsaken those who seek you and the question i've got for us today is that we are seekers after god and we know god through reading the bible and matthew goes on to say um, the secret he says to enter heaven is to have done the will of the father Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of the Father in heaven will enter it. And some of you already this morning have actually called out the names for God this morning. We know that Jesus, our God, is saviour. He's healer. He's comforter. He's the fortress. He's the rock. He's the provider, and he is Yahweh. And I just thought this morning that we would just remind ourselves of three names about God. Because most religions have got salvation in them, whether it's Buddhism, whether it's Sikhism, and other religions too, have got this idea of salvation in them. And salvation is quite common in the act of saving in a secular concept. Soviet writers back in the 1920s, the writers spoke of Lenin, 
as the saviour of the Soviet people. And there are military coups in the African states during the 1980s that resulted in setting up councils of salvation. So this word salvation, someone saving us, is there in all the other religions. But what separates us from other religions is this. The book of Isaiah, he says, Turn to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth. I am your God, and there is no other. And Jesus is called the Saviour in the New Testament. And Peter writes and he says, he says, But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. To him be glory, both now and forever. And Jesus is the promised Saviour. It's never too early, I don't think, to mention Christmas. But this idea of Simeon, the story that where he was given a word from God that he would not die until he saw the Messiah. And it says, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation. And we read of that Sunday school story about Zacchaeus when Jesus comes into uh, the house and he meets Jesus and encounters him. It's not the house that's turned upside down, but it's Zacchaeus. And Jesus' words to him are, Salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham, for the Son of Man, another name which is given to Jesus, has come to seek and to save the lost. And for Timothy in the New Testament, here is a trustworthy saying, he says, that deserves full acceptance. It demands us to think things through for ourselves. Christ came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. And Timothy, I believe, saw the gap. He saw the decision. He saw that space to become a theist. Some of you will be very familiar with the word comforter. And we know that Jesus, when he was with his disciples, said that I am now going away. And there's nothing worse than that searing moment when maybe children go up to a different school or they leave home for the first time as a parent. And there's, there's always that moment when we lose a loved one who is very cherished to us. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is the comforter throughout all our lives. Whether we're going through that darkest moment or whether we're on the mountain high, the Holy Spirit is with us. Because Jesus said, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another counsellor to be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. He says, all this I have spoken whilst with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. So taking what James Packer said earlier on, it's just not a knowledge, a head knowledge, but it's a living knowledge, taking these truths that are in the Bible. And there are different versions that come up, okay, with uh, different words to describe the Holy Spirit in John 14. In the Good News, it talks about him being a helper, an advocate in the New English Bible. 
Also, he is a counsellor and he is a comforter. The counsellor or the paraclete is the God of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity who has been called to our side, but also indwells in each one of us. I sometimes think I've quoted Keith Green once or twice already, so I hope you can forgive me for another third quote coming up. But he was a prolific writer and songwriter. He died in an airplane crash, and, his, and Melody and his children survived. But he wrote this one about a song, which is sung very often, I Am a Redeemer. He says, Thank you, O my Father, for giving us your Son, and leaving your spirit till the work on earth is done. When I stand in glory, I will see his face, and there I'll serve my king forever in that holy place. We've thought about Jesus the saviour. We've thought about Jesus the comforter, the Holy Spirit who is with us. And finally this morning, I just want to um, look at something called God is our rock. The Old Testament symbolises this whole idea of security and defence. And sometimes it's used about an immovable foundation. And this idea of the shaking world. And just about two weeks ago, Diane and I were um, in Austria. And we happened to see, I think it was the Kaiser Mountains. And for some silly idea, I was on my own just for a few moments. And as I was walking around and I saw this beautiful view... I sort of almost took my hands in front and I thought, could I just get rid of these mountains just for a moment and crumble them away in my imagination? And I think all of us would just like to have an immovable foundation in life, whether we're going through the good times or the bad. And the good news is, is that God is our rock. The psalmist David says in Psalm 40, he says that he lifted me up with a slimy pit out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. And finally this morning, this idea of the rock. We've got in, we've read out from uh, Peter and he quotes uh, some verses from Isaiah 28 and verse 16. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious and cornerstone for a sure foundation. The one who relies on it will never be stricken with panic. So Jesus is the one who came to seek and to save the lost. He is our firm foundation. And as we think about dialoguing and having conversations with people about atheism, about this idea of not knowing who God is. This morning, many of you have got a living faith in Christ. And I want to be honest this morning that I probably, over the years, I rejected this idea of knowing God as my saviour. I rejected the idea of him being my firm foundation. But it wasn't until I started to read the Bible more and more that I discovered about knowing God. And we know there are other names too. And I want to close this morning with this question. Do you know God? It says in Romans, it says, everyone who calls 
on the name of the Lord will be saved. God is our saviour, he is our rock, and he is our comforter, and so much more. Amen. Amen. We're going to sing our next hymn and chorus. All to thee, my blessed saviour. It is like a prayer. All to Jesus I surrender. All to thee, blessed saviour. Let's stand to sing this beautiful hymn and chorus together as we draw towards the communion.